On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. I'm not sure what the f*** this is. I'm about to find out. This is Tall Can Audio. Hello, everybody. Matt Robinson here with you. Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio podcast. We're here in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio or at Facebook.com slash Tall Can Audio. Wherever you're listening right now, whatever your app is, there's a follow button, there's a like button, there's a thumbs up button, there's something there. You're going to want to go ahead and hit that because uh, we have all kinds of great stuff coming up for you here in the very near future and all kinds of great stuff's in the archives, which you can also find at tallcanaudio.com. A great guest for you here today, a legendary broadcaster, probably the most prominent broadcaster to ever come out of Canada and make it big in the United States. And he's done it in a couple of different sports, uh, whether you're into college basketball on ESPN, um, Whether you're into Sunday Night Baseball, where he was the voice for a very long time uh, on ESPN Radio, uh, still doing a bunch of work doing playoff baseball for ESPN. And of course, now, far more often, we're happy to have him back home. Dan Schulman, the voice of your Toronto Blue Jays, is here with us today. How's it going today, Dan? I'm doing great, Matt. How you doing? Not too bad at all. A bunch of places we could start. I got a couple things I want to ask you about, but uh, you may or may not remember the last time you were on. We like to uh, ask our guests about uh, any new craft beers they may have stumbled across through their time. You mentioned last time you were on, you were a bit of a Muskoka guy through the uh, through the pandemic. Have you come across anything new that you've uh, fallen in love with? Um, I'm actually drinking a little bit less beer, so okay. uh, I'm not sure that I have. Uh, um, our our neighbor dropped off a couple of craft beers for me a couple of days ago, and I had one, and it was delicious, but I don't remember the name of it, so <laughs> I I, uh, I apologize for that. I will try to uh, uh, get you the name. I'm going to text my wife right now while we're doing this, so, sure. uh, and, and I will I will try to get it for you. But I'm actually, as I get a little bit older. Um, finding I get a little too, uh, I get filled up too quickly. So I've, I've actually cut back on my beer uh, intake a little bit. I think we're all finding as, as hopefully we're approaching the end of this, uh, this pandemic that maybe, you know, the last year or so of, of being locked at home and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe need to drop a couple of pounds, maybe rediscover that pre pandemic thing. There's a, a lot of, 
I'm, I've been trying a lot of light craft beers myself here lately. That's good. To. That's that's yeah. It's always a wise choice. That can, if, if, as long as you like to taste, that's all good. That's right. Um, a couple of weeks after you were on with us last summer, we had uh, Tim McAuliffe on the podcast, and um, in getting ready for that show, my co-host Rob had said that uh, that show with uh, with Tim and I was going to be the battle of the big boy broadcast voices. And I told Tim that, and um, he kind of laughed and said uh, that he wasn't sure how that was going to go between he and I, but he knew you'd been on our show recently and that he was positive <laughs> I had lost that battle to you. <laughs> if we were comparing your broadcast voice to Tim McAuliffe's broadcast voice, who's, uh-huh. getting, the, uh, who's getting the edge there, do you think? Oh, I don't know. I, 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 I can't. That, that's for other people to pick. I mean, I think in some ways Tim has a deeper voice than I do, actually. So, uh, or I think if he wants to get there, he's got deeper depths that he can get to right. um, than I can. So, uh, I, I know another thing we have in common is we're both bald as cue balls, yes. so we got that going <laughs> for us. So. I don't know if there's any kind of inverse relationship between depth of voice and hair, but uh, Tim and I uh, both seem to be there. Um, by the way, not to jump around, but I have the answer. My oh, wife sure. texted me a picture. Uh, all natural make tracks craft lager. Does okay. that ring a bell? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I think I've uh, we have uh, another guy from Sportsnet who was on last week. He was mentioning, I believe, that one to me as well. So okay. it's making well, its way it, around. I, I, I came home one day and there were three of them in the fridge. So that, uh, it, that, that was a great advertising campaign. That there. never so happens I, I to me. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, as we sit here today, it is uh, NHL trade deadline day. And Dan, as you can imagine, nothing is happening. We're in the middle of a pandemic. There's a flat salary cap. There are quarantine rules crossing the border. And both major sports networks in Canada have panels and panels of people lined up to talk about uh, so far, very little. Can you imagine anything? I'm sure you've been through some stuff in your broadcast career. Can, have, you, have you ever had anything like that where you were getting ready for a gig and just going, I have no idea whether this is going to be worthwhile or not? Well, it's, it's a little bit of a different situation, but I can, uh, I've had this on a much larger scale. So I was at the fan from 91 through 95. And as people may or may not remember, the uh, there was a baseball strike in 1994, no World Series, and then there was a hockey lockout mm, yeah. in 94-95. Uh, like, they basically overlapped. So August 12th, 94 was the last baseball game. And this is a million years ago, so I may be getting my dates wrong. But then we didn't we have a whole year without hockey? Like, yep. literally no hockey for an entire season, right? So um, you're trying to do a talk show on the fan and you don't have baseball and you don't have hockey in a city where at the time, the only two professional sports teams were the blue Jays and the Maple Leafs. Right. So like, yeah, the Argos I feel for those, a ton of attention in the exactly, fall. Yeah. Yeah. All, yeah. all of a sudden I'm learning about auto racing and, and things like that. So like, I feel for the, for the gang trying to, to get through a trade deadline, but we did this for like eight months. So, uh, yeah. Limited um, sympathy, I guess. Yeah. Very, very limited sympathy. Yeah. What has um, the last few months, or I guess a little bit longer than that, been like for you? I, you know, I follow you on uh, on social media. It looks like a couple of times you managed to get down and maybe call some basketball games from from ESPN. Um, have you been doing stuff from home now with the Blue Jays? What's it? What have things kind of looked like for you over the last little while? Well, it's been obviously incredibly different. So last baseball season, I called all sixty games from the Sportsnet studio in Toronto with Buck Martinez. So we did that. 
And then the last game of the season was Sunday, September 27th or whatever it was. And um, I had packed in the morning because I, I was going down to Bristol, Connecticut, where ESPN is. I do the uh, the playoff run in baseball for ESPN Radio. Normally, we're at the ballparks. Mm-hmm. Last year, we weren't. So I went right from the uh, from the studio in uh, in Toronto, and I started driving to Connecticut uh, that night. Um, got there Monday, and Tuesday was doing playoff games. Spent <laughs> four weeks in Bristol, Connecticut. Um, doing the baseball playoffs till the end of October, came home, quarantined for two weeks. Uh, about 10 days later, went back to the U.S. for a month and called seven or eight college basketball games, some on site, some from a studio in Charlotte. And then over the holidays, when college football kind of takes over mm-hmm. and there aren't as many basketball games, my bosses said, okay, why don't you go home? And I said, okay, but remember, I got a quarantine for 14 days. So when you send me home, can't bring me back a week later. Right. And they actually sent me home for about four weeks. So I could quarantine for two weeks and then like, you know, be a human being for a couple of weeks. <laughs> so now we're mid-January and I went down again because some of the games that I was assigned to were still being called on site. So I went down uh, for eight weeks and kind of got a home base in Charlotte. Again, they've got a studio there. And I did some games from Charlotte, some games uh, on site. I lived out of a hotel for seven weeks in Charlotte and wow. one week in Greensboro, North Carolina, where the ACC tournament was. Um, came home March 15th or whatever it was, uh, 14th, I think it was, quarantined for two weeks again um, <laughs> and got out three days before the baseball season began. And so now for the Blue Jays, um, I am doing the road games right now. Buck and Tabby are doing the home games. They're in the ballpark in Dunedin for the home games. I do the road games. I'm at the Sportsnet studio, and I'm with either Buck or Tabby. Each of them also has a setup in their home, allowing them to do that. And as we speak, I'm sitting in my office at home, and I'm looking at a monitor and a camera and a light and a laptop and a, uh, an audio box or whatever you want to call it and, and headset. And I do some games for ESPN TV and radio baseball uh, from my office too. So I have not done a baseball game from a ballpark since 2019. I do some basketball games from arenas, but uh, for the last 13 months or so, I'd say 90% of the stuff that I've done has been remotely. Do you think that'll change at all for you this season? I know the Blue Jays situation is still very much up in the air. It looks like they're headed for Buffalo. Whether they get back to Toronto at all this year remains to be seen, but I mean, we just saw a, a, a jam-packed um, stadium for the Texas Rangers home opener. Things are yeah. things are moving fast in the U.S. in terms of getting vaccinations going, getting people back in the in the stands. Do you envision doing any basket or basketball, any baseball, you know, on site down in the U.S. over the course of this summer? Uh, uh, I'm not going to the U.S. during the season. I don't think so. The you know the vast majority of the baseball I do now is Blue Jay related, mm-hmm. and I, I don't see. I don't see a scenario where I cross the border again because Buck and Tabby live right. in the U.S. It makes sense for them to be there and me to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, what I think might change and hope might change, but I don't know if it will, is if they come to Toronto, then instead of me doing the road games, probably then we flip it. Now I'm doing sure. the home games because I'm here, right? And yep. then I'm, I'm at the ballpark. But I don't know if that's going to happen. You know, as we all know, the vaccines are rolling out more slowly than we would like. And, you know, they're getting... They're getting through it quicker in the U.S., and that, that's the interesting part to me. Like, if the Blue Jays are vaccinated and all the other teams are vaccinated, is there as much of a reason to not let them come play in Toronto? And, and maybe it's without fans. I get that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the the original idea was keeping our border closed so that 
we would be safe from what's going on in the U.S. because it was worse there than here. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of flipping <laughs> yeah, a little bit sure. now. So, right. And, and, and so I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, this is, you know, way above my pay grade. But if, if the baseball teams are vaccinated, I would love to think there's a chance that they could come back to Toronto in August, September, whatever, even if there are no fans. I know the team would love it. And, you know, it, it, two months in Dunedin, two months in Buffalo, it, it's it's challenging for them. So, But, you know, there are bigger things at play, obviously. The pandemic and, and, and maintaining everybody's safety is ultimately the most important thing. But, but I, I'm hoping there's a chance that maybe I'll be able to get down to the Rogers Center before the year's over. Have you had any kind of... Um maybe epiphany would be overstating it, but little things you've picked up about how to call a game off a monitor, how to let your color guy in and out if you're not necessarily sitting right beside him. Uh, what's the learning curve been like there? Uh, it, it's There's a lot going on. It, it's challenging and every situation is different. So, for example, with me and Buck, when we did the last road trip together, so he's in his home in Florida, I'm at the Sportsnet studio, we don't see each other. Because if we were to see each other, there's like a second and a half lag on the video. So as he would be talking, like it wouldn't be in sync with right. what I'm seeing. And so we we decided, okay, that's gone. Um, but we have what's called uh, talk capability. So I can talk to Buck and he can talk to me without going out over the air. Mm-hmm. So to give people a little bit of a peek behind the curtain, generally what's happening is I'll say – you know, a ball and a strike on uh, Lourdes Gurriel, and he fouls one off to the right side, and then I'll push the talkback button, and I'll say, done. Okay. And then if Buck, and if Buck wants to say something, he'll talk, and then he'll say, done. Or he might say, Over. you go ahead, or, or <laughs> yeah, or, or I don't have anything, or whatever. So that's how we're doing it, to try to not step on each other, because, you know, that's not good TV, obviously. But, um, you, you know, there there is a lot going on behind the scenes that I think the average viewer or listener just doesn't understand and our crew is is great they have set us up as well as they can so you know trying to have that communication with your broadcast partner is important and then it's things like if a guy's trying to steal a base or tagging up from third that's an easy thing to see when you're sitting at the ballpark that's Mm -hmm. not so easy to see when you're sitting at home so um what i generally have for a blue game is on on a big television monitor i have what people see at home when they're watching the game and then i also have um bullpen cameras so i can see when somebody gets up in each bullpen and i have what's called an all nine which is basically a camera up above home plate showing the field Mm. so i can see if the infield is in or the shift is on or something like that um but that that's what we have we don't we don't have everything you know normally if there's a sacrifice fly situation or a stolen base or or something I'm looking at the field and it's all in, you know, I can see everything still, but now you're kind of, do I look at this computer or that monitor or that sort of thing? So um, it's doable, it's doable, but it's challenging. And there are some things that we miss. And last year, I know there were several times where I said, hey, sorry, folks, we're doing the best we can. It, right. It's, a, it's a, a little different this year. And I want to bring people in and give them a bit of a peek behind the curtain to, so that they understand, um, you know, what's going on. But um, listen, it's, it's still, I'm blessed, still awesome to be calling baseball games, but it's a little bit different now than being at a ballpark. Uh, you'll forgive me. I got another question on this. I'm kind of a nerd for this broadcast stuff. Um, I believe last year, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, and, and just to remind the listener, nobody was traveling in terms of broadcasters. And I don't know how much that's changed in the U S it seems like things are opening up fast down there, but essentially 
it was like an Olympic Games where there was one master feed provided by the home team and right. both broadcasters had to work off that. But you had one guy in each park that was working for the road team. So you could say, could you get a shot of the dugout or, or whatever right. it might be? Is that part still happening or because most of Major League Baseball is opening back up, have, have they pretty much all gone back to normal and now it's just you stuck working off whatever you can get? Yeah, no, that part is still happening. And you, you described it exactly right. So as far as I know, no visiting broadcasters are going to the other ballpark to call games. Okay. Or if they are, if they are, it's very few. And I think it's radio only mm. because that's only bringing two or three people into the ballpark. Right. So I think it depends on if there's broadcast booth space and the rules in each county and state and that sort of thing. So, um, but the way you described it, right. So if the Blue Jays, so on Thursday, I will start doing the Blue Jays in Kansas City from Kansas City and the Royals will send out um, a feed. So they've got, say there are five cameras. Um, They'll use that feed and we'll use that feed but they will have one or two cameras just for themselves, and we will have one or two cameras just for ourselves. So our director in Toronto can talk directly to uh, the production crew in Kansas City, and I believe directly to the camera people who are operating the cameras that are for us. Because like you said, uh, if they're going into a uh, an eight-minute conversation about Whit Merrifield, that's awesome, but it's not awesome for our audience. Right. So we don't need to, you know, but if people are watching at home and all of a sudden they go, Hey, why is Whit Merrifield on the camera? They're not talking about Whit Merrifield. Like this kind of thing will happen sometimes. So um, the one I, I think this year we now have two cameras, and 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 I think everybody has that. So one camera, if, if the Blue Jays are on the first in the first base dugout, mm-hmm. one of the cameras automatically is on the third base side of the field to into the dugout. Like right. that's a must. So we can see Charlie Montoyo, Pete Walker, whatever um, we want to, and then. Uh, I'm not sure where the second camera is or if we have it all the time. But, um, yeah, the way you described it is, is very accurate. So it's kind of like um, if, if people watch an Olympics or a World Cup or something like that, it, it's called a world feed. And then each country might you know, get their own camera. It's not like if you go to uh, an Olympic track and field event, it's not like 80 countries are all doing their own show. Like there's no space for all that yeah, stuff, right? Yeah. So. So there's a world feed, and then each, uh, in, in get back to baseball, each broadcast crew is personalizing the broadcast with one or two cameras, their own graphics, their own announcers, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, you referenced that uh, maybe some of the radio crews are traveling. Uh, the, the decision made around radio up here uh, got a lot of attention through the spring for those who, who may have missed it. The, uh, the Blue Jays um, are having one uh, commentary team for both TV and radio, and uh, I know the decisions to do that are are made well above uh, above where you stand, but I am curious about what it's been like for you. You do have a, a history of of calling a lot of baseball on the radio uh, and on television. How much, if at all, of an adjustment has it been for you? Uh, it, it is an adjustment. So, like you said, um, I've done a lot of both, yeah. um, and, and I, I've thought about this a lot. Obviously, in the last few weeks, there's a chance I've done like more of both than anybody. Cause a lot of people are usually just one or the other. And, and I've just been lucky to be both. Yeah, so, um, they are very different, uh, as you know. So, um, it, it has been an adjustment. Um, and, and I definitely want to take the radio audience, uh, into account. The, the TV numbers are much bigger. There are many more people watching on TV than listening on radio, 
but I don't want to have the radio people not have any idea what's going on. So uh, I don't call every pitch. Um, I call, I want to say I call most pitches, but I, um, you know, again, it, like I did a game last night for ESPN radio and you would hear me things like, you know, uh, he kicks, he fires, he comes set, he did, you, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing, I'm not doing as much of that because, um, in my opinion, doing 100% a radio broadcast that airs on TV, that's too much for the TV audience. It doesn't work. Right. So they're very different. So I'm trying to find a balance. And to be honest with you, I've only done, I think six, six or seven games of it and I'm still figuring it out. Um, but you know, this is where we're at. So, um, so this is what we're doing. And, uh, you know, the only thing I would ask is, um, and I understand how people on the radio side feel, but the, the quote unquote solution is not to do a absolute radio broadcast on TV, on, on TV. That doesn't work either. So, uh, I am trying to find the balance and I want people to know, I am very aware of it. I am not ignoring the the radio audience as well. I think it's fairly well known that I do have a radio background and I would just ask everybody to understand that, um, we're all, we're all trying to do the best we can with it. Sure. Um, I got to ask you about the team itself. Uh, they're off to an interesting start. I'd say, you know, you get that big series win down in New York and then, I don't know, at that point it felt maybe a little disappointing to be going home after Texas at 500, uh, fascinating series against Anaheim, big win, big loss. Um, what have you kind of made of it so far? I guess um, it, they seem to be striking out a lot, Dan. I, I don't think that I saw that coming. I, I believe they just set a record for most strikeouts in their first seven games of a series. Um, I don't think I envisioned that when the season started. Yeah, I'm a little, uh, you know, I thought the offense would be better. Um, you know, Springer being hurt obviously doesn't help, but Rowdy Telez doesn't have a hit yet. Alejandro Kirk, I don't think, has a hit yet. Danny Jansen hasn't hit. Lourdes Gurriel hasn't hit well. Teoscar Hernandez hasn't hit well. You know, you got a lot of different guys who are struggling. And mm-hmm. this team doesn't need guys to have the best year of their lives. They just need everybody to have the average year of their lives, and, and they'll be fine. So I'm a little worried about the offense. It's only nine games out yep. of 162. But sometimes I do look at them, and I and I say, boy, almost everybody's a right-handed batter. And if you're a, a pitcher – with a good slider, you know, down and away, down and away, down and away, you can really get in a rhythm against these guys sometimes. And I think the Yankees go through it too. As, as potent as their offense can be, especially against weaker pitching, there are some guys who just handcuff the Yankees because um, they're, they've got so many similar guys. So, and, and I think the Blue Jays fall into that. Now, I really think the Blue Jays ultimately, not this year, because it couldn't happen, didn't happen, but ultimately, I think they've got to have a little bit more variety in their offense. I, I think they need a couple legit left-handed bats, guys who can contact, that sort of thing. So, um, listen, four and five is not where they wanted to be. But given all the injuries that they've had, given that they don't have any off days, given you know that they that Tanner Roark and TJ Zoic and Ross Stripling are you know are all in the uh, the Roark was taken out of the rotation. Yeah. Like it could be worse. It hasn't oh, yeah. been good, but it, but it could be worse. And, and uh, I'm of the mind that once they get through this stretch of 16 games in 16 days and hopefully Springer's back and, you know, hopefully Teoscar's back in a few days, he's got a contact tracing thing going on. And like eventually, you know, Rowdy's going to start hitting a little bit and eventually Guriel's going to start hitting a little better. I-, I still think they're a good team and potentially a playoff team. Uh, but they've, they've had their fair share of adversity in a week and a half. That's for sure. 
Well, you said it there, very small sample size on everything we've seen so far. But if the offense has been a little disappointing, I think probably the thing I've been most impressed with early on is Steven Matz, who had a very good spring, but you try hard not to read too much into a spring, but now a couple of quality starts. Um, Are you seeing anything different out of him, an adjustment they may have asked him to make, or has he just kind of refound his stroke? What do you see in there? I think there's a little bit of a change of scenery thing, and and I think he's just locating beautifully. Uh, You know, Pete Walker, uh, when asked about this, he he will not take any credit himself. And he said, yeah, a little tweak here, a little tweak there. But you don't have to watch him much to see how good the stuff is. Like, the stuff is good. Mm -hmm. And I think last year with the Mets, when he made mistakes, he made mistakes right over the heart of the park, and they they hit him out. He gave up whatever it was, 14 home runs in 38 innings. I can't remember the exact numbers. But, you know, sometimes you make a mistake and they hit the ball like a bullet, but they hit a single. Right. Sometimes they, they hit a home run. And I think the Blue Jays felt there was going to be some regression to the mean in a good way in terms of the damage that he gave up when he made a mistake. And I think they also saw um, that the stuff played and that maybe if they, I, I don't know what the, the, you know, the mechanical changes they made were, whether they were big or small, but his location has been great. You know, his change up down and away to righties has been great. He's got enough on the fastball to get it by you. Breaking balls been good. Like, again, if you'd never heard of the guy and you just watched him for the first time, you'd say that's a big league pitcher. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good pitcher. So, um, it's only two starts, but he's, um, he's been great. He was great in the Springs. So you'd like to think, it continues and just as big, you know, as we talk here on Monday, Robbie Ray's getting ready yeah. to make his first start of the season tonight for the Jays. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, you know, he's important too. If they have Ryu and Mats and Ray, if they have three out of five guys they can count on, then they've got a chance. Ultimately, they got to figure out four and five. Um, is Stripling good enough to stay in? Is Zoic good enough to stay in? Is Pearson ever going to get healthy? Is Hatch going to get healthy? Is Anthony Kay going to come up and, and help the team? Still a lot of question marks. They've got depth. They've got options, but they've got to find a couple of guys who can help them win games at the back end of the rotation. Which guy would you be uh, most concerned about right now, just in the injury sense, as we talked about, uh, and you, you referenced Nate Pearson, but also... Um, you know, as as we sit here, we still haven't seen George Springer. And the first part was an oblique thing, and then as he comes back and starts running, I think it was his quad, wasn't it? That uh, yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah. Uh, so far, we haven't seen either one of these guys this season. Which one of them would you be most worried about? Um, I don't think it's Springer. Um, I'd like to think he is back soon. I mean, I got to believe he's chomping at the bit to play yeah. after signing a big deal and coming over and all that. So, um, and I think not that he is. I mean, he's a star player. But especially once Teoscar Hernandez is back, they have Guriel Gritchick, Teoscar Hernandez. They still have three other outfielders they can put out there. So, um, you know, missing a starting pitcher to me is very big. And Nate Pearson is supposed to be a big, big part of it. And for a variety of reasons, it just hasn't worked. Um, and it, it's like it's taking a while, too, to get going here, considering it's not an arm injury. It's a, it's a groin strain, and, and I don't know the severity of it or the reason behind it. Or I don't want to say he's injury-prone. I don't believe that yet. But at some point, this guy's got to get some innings under his yeah. belt. And, and uh, you know, on the other hand, you look at it and you say, they weren't going to let him go out and throw 170 innings this year no. because of how little he threw last year. So he was going to have to miss some time or have shortened outings anyways this year. Maybe it's happening at the beginning of the season, and then they won't have to worry about it later on. But uh, I hope he's back in a few weeks. Like, he, he's not even really 
he's going to have to start almost as if it's the beginning of spring training again yeah. by this time. He's missed that much time, right? So um, it, it's got to be at least a month. He's uh, not even he's back, back on the mound yet, is he? Like, uh, uh, I think he might have just done it yesterday, okay. but it, if it's happened, it just started. So it, it's going to take a while. It's yeah. going to take several weeks to ramp him up. If he's back middle of May, I think that's best case scenario. And even then, I don't know if he's a you know a starting pitcher or a piggyback guy. I don't know what they're going to do with him, but his arm is needed. It it really is. Yeah. Um, and I hope he's I hope he's back at some point soon. Well, you referenced there that um, you know it's it's going to be at least a month and a bit. The the rotation was already kind of being looked at as maybe the thinnest part of this team. Do you think it? And it won't be for a while. I'm sure. You think there's any chance we see Alec Manoa this year? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, I think it depends on a few things. One is, obviously, he's got to stay healthy. Two, he's got to have success once the minor leagues start. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't know what level he'll go to. I would guess double A, but he's got to have success. Uh, Three, the Blue Jays have to be in the race. I don't think they're going to start the clock on him unless... You know, they they really feel that that he can help them get into the playoffs this year. Right. And then and then four is do they have a need? And chances are they'll have a need. So I think four is a pretty easy one. So um, but I could see again, does he come up as a starter or, you know, do they ease him in and have him be like that two inning relief guy, fifth, sixth, seventh, that kind of guy? That's what they did with Aaron Sanchez there for a while. Yes, with Aaron Sanchez, what they did with Nate Pearson in the playoffs last year when he blew away Tampa Bay. Like I think Alec Manoa is good enough in a in a short outing to come in and blow people away. Mm -hmm. Um, And he did it in the spring, and he did it against the Yankees in the spring. So I do think there's a chance we see him. You know, because he's a college kid. Like Simeon Woods Richardson is twenty years old. Right. Alec Manoa is twenty three. There's a, there's a, and Alec Manoa is also as big as a barn, right? I mean, he's huge. So um, he's he's a big, strong kid, and he has a ton, a ton of confidence. And I know the coaching staff loves him. So yeah, I I, I do think there's a chance we see him later in the season. Well, I believe last year, if I'm not mistaken, I think he threw more innings than than Nate Pearson did. So again, if you need, I would imagine, to, yeah, yeah, come up and eat some innings. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I don't want to keep you too long, but, uh, if, if you're, if you've got a night off and the Jays aren't playing or you're not calling them and, and you're going to sit down and watch a team for enjoyment or for fun this season, where are you turning to? Which team has your attention right now? Well, I'm probably watching something on Netflix with yeah. my wife to, <laughs> okay. be a, to be a good guy, but <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. But, right. But if she, um, what team, uh, it's funny because I go into work mode first, so I might look for whatever team I'm doing next, okay. uh, whether it's for ESPN or the Blue Jays. Like if, if the Jays get rained out tonight, they're not going to. I would watch Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's not a work thing, uh, I could watch the, you know, the Dodgers and the Padres are two teams. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, you know, sometimes uh, I, I, I like to stay up late and just watch some baseball. You know, it's yep. just uh, everybody's asleep. It's me and the dog. The lights are off and I watch some West Coast baseball. So. Uh, I, I find the Dodgers and the and the Padres very interesting, and I like the White Sox too. I like watching the White Sox. They're they're a team on the rise. They're very talented, really talented. They got a lot of you know players with big personalities, uh, and I like checking them out as well. Yeah, I think for me it, it has been mostly the Padres. I guess maybe the Dodgers are 
you know, they've been doing it for a while now. It's it's fun to see a market like San Diego go all in and and you know bring in some big stars. Look like they got a chance to challenge a pretty devastating injury there the other day with um, Tatis. Right, but right. but man, they look like they're going to be a blast to watch this year. Yeah, they're great, and I don't know if they can. I don't think they're as good as the Dodgers, but um, you know they look like a wild card team. And then, unfortunately for them, you win the wild card game. Who are you going to play? Probably the Dodgers. Right. The same situation that happened last year. So it's another reason why I think the um, the playoff format could be adjusted a little bit. But but it, it, it's fun. I like seeing teams that haven't been good for a while be good. Um, you know, I, I've. Uh, and nothing wrong with the Yankees, Red Sox, Cardinals, Dodgers, like nothing wrong with that, but it, it's fun to see a Minnesota or a San Diego or a Toronto or, or, you know, somebody like that have a good year and kind of shake up the establishment a little bit. I'm all in favor of that. Yeah. Uh, last one for you then, Dan, as the, um, you know, we, we, we're, we've moved in, we, it's very early on, but, uh, I'm sure you had some thoughts before the season even started. Um, the Yankees are always the Yankees. The Rays have lost some guys, but they seem to always show up and with guys you've never heard of just throwing 110 out of the bullpen or hitting 304. Um, they always find a way to be in it. Slot out the AL East for me and, and are the Jays going to be there in a wild card game at the end? So coming into the season, I thought the Yankees were the best team and I thought the Blue Jays and Rays were neck and neck. You okay. know, the Blue Jays clearly appear to be improved with the offseason acquisitions and obviously the Rays lost Blake Snell and Charlie Morton. But as you said, they always find guys, yep. always. And, and they're trying to kind of do it in bulk this year. They um, they signed or traded for Michael Waka, Colin McHugh, Rich Hill, Chris Archer, who's now injured. Um, you know, they're trying to... Uh, fill their their quality need with quantity to a certain extent, but they also have some really good arms in their farm system, best farm system in baseball again, yes. and they're monitoring their innings. But June, July, we're going to start seeing guys who a lot of people have never heard of come up from the farm system, getting people out for Tampa Bay. So I, I am not discounting Tampa Bay uh, at all. I think the Blue Jays have a, a good chance to be a playoff team, but I don't think they're a lock. Um, the White Sox and the Twins are both really good. Yeah. Um, Houston is really good. Like you look at Houston, and I know a lot of people focus, well, Springer's gone and Verlander's hurt, but their entire infield, Guriel, Altuve, Correa, Bregman, all had really down seasons last year. And Jordan Alvarez only played in two games because of an injury. Mm. If those guys back doing close to what they were doing, they're a playoff team. So. I kind of look at it as, you know, maybe seven good teams. Uh, I thought Oakland was going to be really good. I might be wrong on that one, but it looks like the Angels are pretty good. So, you know, the Jays are in the mix, but there are only five teams making the playoffs this year. And, of course, there were eight last year. That's a big difference as well. So I think the Jays can get there, but I think they have to stay healthy. I think they have to play well. And I think they're going to need one more arm to help, whether that's Pearson, whether that's Manoa, or whether that's a guy they get in a trade. I don't know. But I think they need a little bit more than they have right now in order to make the playoffs. Do you think they're looking for that right now? Or do you think it's, let's see if we stay in the race. Let's see if this is as good as we think we are and do it at the deadline. Yeah, I I think it's closer to the deadline. I mean, it could be June, but I don't think it's now. It's incredibly rare for trades to be made in April, May. So, um, and I don't think they want to give up good prospects unless they, they have to. So I think you, you know, you see how Mats and Ray do, you see if Pearson and Hatch get healthy, you see how Manoa does in the minors, and you see where you are in the standings. So I think it happens in the summer, but I don't think it happens in the spring. Right. 
Um, this has been a thrill, Dan. I, I, you're the best in the business at what you do, and, and around here we're huge fans of your work, so I uh, can't tell you how much we appreciate you making a little bit of time for us. I know you're a very busy guy, so thank you so much. You got it, Matt. I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. All right, you too, and uh, thanks again. And to all you listeners out there, make sure you are following along on social media. We are at Tall Can Audio. Make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening right now. Hit the follow button. Hit the subscribe button. Stick around. There's going to be more great stuff for you. Michaela Schreider returns to the podcast on Friday. Rob will be back on Monday, as always, and more guests to come as well. My name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you all on the next episode of Tall Can Audio. Now, y'all ain't got nothing else for me to drink. I'm a haul ass. No, I'm serious. I'm about to haul ass. If y'all have no better shit than this to drink. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.